welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David, Yes. how you doing? Well, um, uh, as the listeners might be able to tell from the uh, cavernous echo, we are still... In the yeah. in, in the old place that has no furniture or anything in it, it's been yeah. uh, your your moving process has been what elongated, distended. That's a good one. Yeah, that's <laughs> bloated. <true>. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, you know one of my favorite uh, one of my. F- there aren't a lot of jokes in Family Guy that have stayed with me, mostly because I don't like most of them. But every once there's two that I love. One is. He bursts into a cockpit of a plane and the pilot whirls around and say, says, hey, you're not a pilot. I know every pilot in the world. <laughs> I love that joke so much. The other one is not even really a joke. It's one of their, lo- you know, they just it's it's the, a long drawn out thing. Yeah. But it's the way it's it's the capper and it's the one where they're watching like uh, mod. Uh-huh. And so it's it's like, oh, hey, this is one of those early mod episodes with the long theme song. And so so it goes through and it just keep, and they've clearly for family they've like added uh, <laughs> right. more like women to talk about. And so they add like five or six more verses. Uh-huh. And he just keeps saying like, and then there's mod. Yes. All right. And then there's mod, And it just keeps going. He's like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> and then finally, after like two minutes, uh-huh. finally it says, and then there's money goes, ah, yes. All right. Thank you. That was an ordeal. <laughs> and the, his delivery, Seth MacFarlane's yeah. delivery of, of that was an ordeal has stayed with me. And it's something that has kept, oh, that has funny. stayed in my mind. And so, uh, so when I am in the midst of an ordeal, even if I am stressed, I will think of that line and it will make me laugh. That's funny. Uh, you know, <clears throat> oh, go ahead. Sorry. So like when we're done with this move uh-huh. and we're there, we're in the new house for the first time. I feel like I'm just going to sit down and be like, ah, yes, thank you. That was an ordeal, <laughs> um, which it is. Um, that's funny because there's a, I'm also not a huge family guy fan, but there's a line from the family guy that my, that Natalie and I, uh, use to, Cheer each other up. Okay. Because there's, I don't know, I, I can't remember the, 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 the details of the scene or the, or the background, but like, uh, what's his name? The dad, Peter. Yeah. Is all bummed out about something. Mm-hmm. And Stewie is trying to comfort him. And he's mm-hmm. like, it's okay, big guy. And then he goes, you want a soda? <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> if one of us is in a bad mood or being gr- grumpy, the other one, we will say to one another in that soft, like Stewie voice, you want a soda? <laughs> it usually lightens the mood. Yeah. It's the, the, <laughs> You know, I feel like Family Guy is a situation where, like the 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 law of probability or something like that, where you throw enough stuff at the wall, yeah. something will stick. And there, it is a joke machine. And yeah, I, think, I don't like most of them, but every once in a while, it's like that is brilliant. Yeah, we we've, we've uh, we've said this before that like uh, I don't watch Family Guy because mo- like ninety percent of it is me like makes me grind my teeth. Yes. You know, um, but there is, I would say an average of one, an episode, fantastic joke. Yeah. And uh, like Stewie talking in his sleep. Hello. I'd like to return this printer. <laughs> um, I've definitely talked about that on the podcast before, but yeah, yes, I, all right. We don't need to talk about the family guy anymore. You, okay. was that what you were going to bring? You said you had a question to ask oh, me. Was he, it about the family guy? Uh, no, but first, uh, let's pay some bills before I, I jump into that. Oh, right. No, that's not what we said. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well then what I'll say is, uh, so war for the planet of the apes. Now, by the time this goes up, it's been out for a while and has probably done pretty well. But, um, so I saw it 
a while ago. Uh-huh. Uh, I did not know when they said, oh, the embargo uh, will on reviews is lifted June 26th. And I thought like, oh boy, I better, you know what? I'm going to get in uh, and get this review out June 26th. Movie doesn't come out for like three weeks at that yeah. point. We had to repost my review, uh, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I knew it was out. a time, but that's something um, that Fox has been doing a lot lately. Going back to X Men Apocalypse last year, that's they moved true. the embargo up. They had the Alien Covenant embargo date was like three weeks before. It does seem like usually that's true. these big like. Um, you know, my embargo on atomic blonde is like the Tuesday before, the, before it opens, right. you know, and that's, that's pretty standard uh, yeah. for, for studio movies. But Fox seems to be, I don't know if it's an experiment. I don't know if it's working for them, but, uh, or maybe it's things they have confidence in. Uh, I mean, I guess, I don't know how apocalypse or, or I like apocalypse more than most, uh, but yeah. it is a, very poorly reviewed film. Yeah, but this does seem to be a pattern with Fox going back to at mm. least Apocalypse, if not before that, where they uh, move up these embargo dates. Well, with War for the Planet of the Shop Apes, talk. I'm sure that yeah, I'm sure they, uh, I'm sure they did have faith in it, and based on the glowing reviews that it received, mm-hmm. um, I just uh, it it just fascinates me, and I do wonder if. Because so many people say like, oh, it's the best film of the summer or it's the blockbuster we need right now or whatever it is. And so it's just like, okay, everybody's talking about it solely in terms of when it comes out and it's part of blockbuster season. It's part of the summer. So undoubtedly, and I'd I'd be quick to say this as well, that, well, yeah, in the sea of dreck that we get in the summer, it is a nice, uh, it is a nice oasis to mix metaphors. Yeah. Um, Although this... This summer does seem to be an exception. It's pretty good so far, but um, I mean, I've definitely seen more, gone to see more like big studio releases. I usually don't try to, tend, to, tend to sit out the multiplex for the summer, but I saw Wonder Woman and I saw uh, you saw Guardians. Uh, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I saw Baby Driver. I guess is a big. It's a Sony sure movie. Uh, I saw. There's another one that I'm forgetting um, um, that I liked. I think. Isn't there? I believe there is. Yes. Yeah. Now I don't remember what it is, but um, I didn't see Spider Man, but I hear it's great. Uh, it's good. It's very good. Um, it's no Spider Man two, regardless of what people might tell you. Um, oh, okay. And so, but that's the thing is, I do find myself wondering, um, and this applies to me as much as anybody else, because I still incorporate like, oh, this is a blockbuster and it's a summer movie, so based on that, it's pretty good. But I do think I I, I do feel like it never hurts to have kind of a, a larger perspective when talking about a film or writing a review. Um, Sorry, I saw The Mummy and Pirates 5. That's Those are right. The, that's the two right. big ones that I saw that I blocked yeah. because they're the bad ones. Right. I think that's the thing. Is there's Transformers, The Mummy, Pirates yeah. 5. So like there, there, there have been movies coming out that have come out oh. this summer that have not been very good. Um, hold on real quick. Did you see Pirates 5? No. Okay. Let's put a pin in Pirates 5 and then come back okay. to your, uh, your point. So... I don't know. Do you find when you're writing a review, um, do you find yourself, because of course we kind of try to walk the line of like objectivity and subjectivity because Mm -hmm. you can't be, you certainly can't be completely objective. You can be completely subjective, but you also have to try and kind of step outside of that. And so there are times when I, when I'm writing a review or when I'm thinking about a movie and so many people like with war for the planet of the apes, they say, 
oh, this, oh, this, it's for a summer blockbuster. It's great. And I remember just thinking like, yes, but it's not only that it is also just a general movie. And at some point someone's going to watch it on, you know, on Blu-ray in February. Right. So based on that, is it real? Should we really be speaking about it with such breathless praise? But then I just thought like, yeah, but you can't be thinking solely. I don't know. I feel like you can't go too far in that direction either. Otherwise you're only, you'll only be thinking in terms of, is this a movie that will, will hold up through the ages regardless of when you watch it? I don't know. It's, I'm trying, I try to think, I'm thinking if I, if I try to strike that balance and I think I probably don't, I think I probably try to speak more in the moment, probably more than I should. Honestly, uh, do you, what do you feel like you do when you're writing a review? Um, I think it depends on my reaction to the movie. If the, if the movie feels timeless to me, then I want to remove it from okay. certain things. There are sometimes there are movies um, that speak to our cultural or lately often our political moment. Yeah, you know that I can't help but uh, but mention, especially when the movie when, when a movie was made before the election and yet seems sure. like prescient now i can't i can't not mention that sure sure it, it, you know um so i guess it it depends on how i to the dismay of the occasional reader um, um yeah yeah um, what was the what was that movie was it i don't feel i don't feel home in this world anymore was mostly just because i wrote it the day after the inauguration day i wrote <laughs> yeah, that review like uh yeah. it was yeah the entire thing was about donald trump <laughs> um and i didn't like the movie so why not write about something else um but i guess it just depends on my uh, reaction in the moment like a ghost story made me forget the world outside of the movie theater right. or the screening room or whatever you want to call it um, and so when I wrote my review to go back to what our friend Chuck Wilson said, like the review should make you should try to get across to the reader, how the movie made, how you felt while you watched yeah. the movie. Yeah. Um, and so I guess that's, uh, in, in a way it's like, uh, you know, I don't think of us as reporters, but, uh, this is also what Chuck said was that like, we kind of are in a way reporting on our experience. And mm-hmm. so, um, I don't know that I have a philosophy that, uh, on, um, you know, how, uh, how in the moment or out of time, my review is meant to be, that is permanent. It depends on my reaction during the movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just something that kind of struck me and I don't necessarily, and I don't begrudge anybody talking about it. Uh, but like, you know, on Facebook and Twitter, I'd been seeing so many people saying like, Oh, this is the best movie of the summer. And, and my, and, that feels like a qualifier to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it, I think that could be some of your own value judgment. Cause sure. Some of these people might think summer yeah, is the true. best time of year for movies. That's you true. Know? That's true. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, real quick about pirates five. Okay. And I know you don't care and no one cares, but I think I said I care a little bit after I saw it, I said it's the worst pirates movie. That's how I felt at the time. Yeah. Um, obviously the first, uh, uh, we talked a lot on the podcast. I like the Gore Verbinski ones. Let's set those aside yeah. of the Rob Marshall one and the two, uh, Norwegian guys one. Um, I initially felt that the new one was worse, but I think thinking about it now, here's the difference. And this is, this goes to just how could be a question of how you think about movies in general. I think on stranger tides, is a more consistent movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think dead men tells tell no tales has 
the good parts are better than on Stranger Tides, yeah. but the bad parts are way worse. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so there are individual things that I think about now um, in Dead Men Tell No Tales, like um, Javier Bardem, or like I talked about that Island of Stars, or the uh, um, the big parted sea finale that you've seen if you've seen the trailer mm. um where the black pearl is literally skimming along the end of like a yeah. shelf of water and then the characters are dangling off of the anchor chain that's like neat. over it's that's very cool and so i think about that stuff and i'm like oh yeah i like that stuff more than i thought but then i think about there's a whole there's a oh <laughs> there's a part in this movie that i hate so much uh because it's so lazy and hackneyed but it's and it's also so brief. It's like you didn't you literally could have just cut this out. But no. very briefly, um, Johnny Depp, uh, what's it? Jack Sparrow gets you know captured because that's what happens uh, mm. to everyone throughout. The, that's the the entire Pirates franchise is just people getting captured by by one another. Yes, um, he's captured by this one guy who's like the you know um, mayor of the small like uh, outpost island or whatever, mm. and he's like. Uh, you know, I'm either going to kill you or I'm going to force you to marry my daughter. And of course it's a review, the reveal of her daughter, of his daughter. And she's, you know, overweight and, you know, plain looking and like, Oh yeah. And it's like, really, we're going to that. Well, like Gore Verbinski made 25 hours of pirates (laughs) movies and didn't didn't have to go to that sort of tired trope. And this, you had to get in like, who, who finds that funny anymore? Uh, You know? Um, Yeah. I gave up Ren and Stimpy a while ago. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, those are, I was thinking about pirates five this week uh, and I wanted to get those thoughts down because I've gotten to the point after 10 years of podcasting that if I have a thought about a movie and I don't either put it on the website or on the podcast, it's not valid. I might not, it might not. It's the tree that fell in the forest. Like, yeah, if something happens <laughs> and you're gone tomorrow, that that thought will have been unexpressed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, like teardrops in the rain, David. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, do so. Would you say, having now assessed those films in that way, would you still say that the fifth one is the worst? I, I don't. I don't know how to answer that because. Uh, yeah, that's the question. And that could be, you know what, this might be an episode. Uh, I think so because I feel like any movie that has like some pretty high highs, but also yeah. some notably low lows. I feel like, well, you usually get that when you're more ambitious. Whereas a film that is like yeah. consistent, like a consistent B minus C plus, like, right. yeah, it never drops into D territory, but it's also never going to get an A and that's yeah. more forgettable to me. But, but then, you know, I, you know, uh, I think of a film as, uh, a singular object a right. film is an uh, objet d'art to use the French uh, uh, art object. It's just a fancy way of saying art, <laughs> art object. Um, and so if I say, I feel like if I say, yes, dead men tell no tales is better than on stranger tides, mm-hmm. then that means I am implicitly endorsing the stuff that I hated about it. Or, or if not endorsing it, like, yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm ra- I'm raising it up. And so it's hard for me to say. And I think this is honestly, this is why I think we've stumbled upon as, uh, as tends to happen in my life when I, uh, one day inadvertently, uh, invented the concept of marriage. Um, and then I'm like, Oh no, I guess it's been around a while um, <laughs> where essentially I was just like, I want to be around Jen all the time. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Um, I think what you've stumbled on is this idea. It's like, yeah, this is why critics don't like star systems. They don't like thumbs. They like a, a long review so they can say, right. This is a movie I mostly recommend. Here's the thing though. Like yeah. it gives you the opportunity to say yeah. that. 
All right. Now we can pay some bills, I think. Indeed. All right. So this episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Uh, And then... So we're recording this a little bit in advance, so uh, I do not have a, a recommendation. So I'll just say, check out Mubi. There's thirty one. There's thirty wonderful films to enjoy, uh, and there is also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for one month. Just go to Mubi.com. That's M-U-B-I.com slash Battleship to redeem now. And I should also say that uh, there's an ad at BattleshipPretension.com that can get that'll get you to the same place. It's fine. Oh, yeah. We should tell people to do that. Yeah, I always forget. Um, and I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. That's where you, you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. Um, they look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Um, uh, you might see me walking around. Uh, um, you might have seen me walking around San Diego uh, mm. with some tweaked audio earbuds. I don't know. Actually, that's not true. I tend to, like... In my daily life, I keep earbuds in yes. as much as possible. Something about when I'm at Comic-Con, it's like, no, I want to be here. Like, yeah, I want to yeah. be in the moment. Sure. So I usually don't keep my earbuds in. Anyway, um, they're available at a low, low price over at tweakedaudio.com. Uh, but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Tyler? Yes? Okay. Um, I forgot what I got my phone out for. Well, you had something to say about D23, correct? Well, it was inspired. But it, um, let me find the, the thing. So okay. at D23, yesterday or today, I've been following along on Twitter, but um, I don't know if you've seen. You've been so busy. You've barely been on the Internet. You probably haven't seen. Um, this image of everything that Disney has coming out over the next three years. It's, it's oh, all the, okay. all the, like, I've seen images like that in okay. the past. So they, they announced this. It's a bunch of movies um, over the next three years. Um, and a tw- see, I've, I like this Twitter account, so I'm not going to say who, I guess. Okay. Uh, anyway, but this uh, person, I guess, said something along the lines of, wow, except for. Uh, Coco, which is the new Pixar movie, right. and A Wrinkle in Time, all of these are based on um, existing IPs. And of course, a ton of people rightfully said, what are you talking about, A Wrinkle in Time? Yeah, that's a book we read growing it, up, is, right? I actually never read it. Okay. Um, so, um, and then this guy responded, by the way, the book is not what one means by traditional Hollywood IP slash brands. Who decided that? Wait, and what? That's, what? That makes basically what he's saying. Yeah, what he's saying is that basing something on a book is the same as an original idea. I guess that's not true. And also, like, it doesn't even. It's not even even the spirit of brands. Like, you can't tell me that 
Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone is not based on an, an IP. You know what I mean? An intellectual yeah. property or even Gone Girl. Like everything, if it's based on a book, who decided? I don't do you, know do who think, decided that. Do you think it and comes how, from... And how do you differentiate a book from a comic book? Because clearly this person is saying that sure. all, all the Marvel movies are based on IP in terms of comic books. So, but A Wrinkle in Time, because it's not a comic book, it's a it's a, it's a a book book for smarty pants people, <laughs> then it's not an IP. I don't understand who decided that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I wonder if I wonder if the attitude is somewhat unofficial, um, in that it's just like, is this thing recent? It is okay. It's 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 it's, it's IP. Has it been around a while? Then eh, who gives a shit? Might as well be public domain at that point. But even public domain, I guess public I know, domain it, is, is it, categorically not intellectual property because yeah. no one owns it. Um, but. To me, what it boils down to is the reason Disney is making A Wrinkle in Time is because mm-hmm. you know that name. You know, even if you, yeah. if you haven't read it, like I haven't, um, it, you know that name. It's based on it. They're they're making it. I uh, like like all studios make everything now, almost. Yeah, uh, with some exceptions, they're making it because of the familiarity. So how is it not? I don't know. It's, an IP. I, I'm really that recency thing is the best I can do. To try to figure out, but that's not what this, this person attitude. is saying. This person is saying the book is not like so. He's saying if something is based on a book, that's not what people mean when they say existing IP. And I don't know that doesn't make any sense. It, well, I guess if this guy's kind of an industry writer, then I or guess gal. he would or get yeah, pardon me, uh, an industry writer, then perhaps they would know. But at the same time, uh, I disagree. If that is in fact true, I disagree vehemently. Yeah. Um, okay. Cause well, I feel like I it, it, it out there. Yeah. It just, it, uh, listeners, if you have any theories about this, or if you happen to know anything about this, please let us know in the comments because I am uh, mystified. This is the first I've heard of this. Yeah. Yeah, I literally thought IP was anything, anything that existed that is not public domain before the movie that it anything is that based existed upon. as yeah. a as a work as a work that is that is published that is out there that is yeah. consumable. Yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah. okay because um, I guess I'm just saying like I'm 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 clarifying uh, as a work because you can't say that like you know, Gary Marshall's like holiday movies are IP because the holidays exist. You know what I mean? That's not right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Uh, all right. Um, I forget. I am, I am moving slow today. I keep forgetting to do stuff. I'm supposed to pull up. Oh, George Romero died. What? It's literally just, I pulled up my phone and I just saw that just now. Um, I mean, well, I mean, but like, I don't know how you just saw it just now. I literally just saw it. Wow. Huh? Wow, rest in peace. Yeah, it's weird. I was talking with a... I, mean, I hope he stays put. Hey. <laughs> um, wow, okay, that's that's interesting. A friend of mine was just talking about Romero and that he was trying to get funding for another zombie movie. And so as I'm looking at the description here, it says, George Romero has died at age 77 after a brief but aggressive battle with lung cancer. I guess brief but aggressive explains it. Yeah. Because if he's... If he was working on something and then suddenly like lung cancer tends to be something of a drawn out thing, but this is brief, but aggressive. So yeah, this is the first, I didn't even know he was sick. Oh wow. George Romero. Yeah. Well, 
Well, thank you for everything, George Romero. Yeah, I guess uh, everything if, you did. If we have a, a profile episode in the uh, in the uh, in the Halloween months, yeah, uh, I wouldn't be opposed to talking about him. I was about to say, well, we talked about him a lot in our commentaries, but then I didn't want to sound like I was like, <laughs> you, you, I, I forgot. Do that you those miss were... George Romero? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we'll ca- we'll take three bucks off those commentaries for that's you. Not, that's not. <laughs> I might actually just cut that. In the oh, that is too. Oh, yeah. Um, no, all it's, right. Uh, no, that's very sad. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. okay, well, here's what's on the website. Yeah. Um, uh, the movie meltdown guys, uh, were at, uh, something called Wonderfest. They interviewed a bunch of, a bunch of people. Um, uh, Matt, uh, Matt Bradley looked, uh, uh reviewed the Cheech and Chong's next movie, Blu-ray. Alex reviewed the 8 million ways to die, uh, Blu-ray, which I didn't realize was a Hal Ashby film, even though I like mm. quote unquote assigned, I, I don't know if I, I'm in. I'm the editor or co-editor yeah. of the website, so I guess I assigned it. But uh, I didn't realize until I like proofread the review that it was a, a Hal Ashby uh-huh. movie. Um, let's see. Um, West at Musical Notation uh, talked about Marvin Hamlish. Uh, Sarah, still working her way through the top 100, is in the 40s now, uh, wrote about E.T. I haven't read this one. I didn't uh, proofread hmm. this one, but I wonder if she agrees with my um, controversial opinion. Oh, e- which is what? E.T., not that great. Oh. Um, it's pretty solid. Jen just recently rewatched it. And as I was walking through, I was like, ah, oh, this is pretty good. Yeah. I, it it takes, I think the second half is really good. Sure. I think it spins its wheels a lot for the first half of the movie in a way that I think feels dated now and kind of corny. Like just all the, like, I don't know the, just the, the, the comedy set pieces are just not sure. great. Um, I mean, I like the bit with the, uh, the, what's it, the Henry, whatever, releasing all the frogs at, in the right. classroom. That's, that's funny. I um, think, I think I like the first half precisely because, well, I won't say it's spinning its wheels, but from a character standpoint, I like kind of establishing like character dynamics and yeah. stuff. Um, but it, it, it could probably be a bit shorter. I agree. Yeah. Um, and then he, at the end of that, uh, frog thing he stands on one kid who's laying down mm-hmm. and kisses the blonde girl who is um um erica Eleniak, who would go on to be on baywatch and is uh a friend really? of mine's older sister oh that's odd <laughs> um, yeah uh let's see we got also home video uh, review from craig of car wash um uh, alex wrote about a great movie for the criterion prediction column uh called beau uh beau trevay to beau trevay i don't know i know the one you're talking about yeah. uh, i always said beau travail but that's not right because uh, it's french so you're not supposed to pronounce the l i got a lot of extra consonants yeah. in, in france yeah they're, they're lousy with consonants over there <laughs> they're sticking them wherever they can and not pronouncing them they're being paid by the letter um let's see um Andrew wrote a review of the new Jodorowsky movie, Endless Poetry. Um, there's the, the the what's going on in uh, Chicago uh, rep theaters from Aaron. The sequel cast guys finished up the Hangover uh, trilogy. And um, Jim uh, announced that he's taking July off of mm-hmm. I Do Movies Badly. So there's a short episode that you can listen to yeah. uh, there. With That's his summer update. So that's what's going on uh, at the website uh, and, right and now. And in the meantime, if so, he's taking, Jim is taking a month off. So perhaps uh, if you're interested, take the time to look back at, on some of his uh, yeah. series this past year. Yeah. Uh, I was on talking about Orson Welles. You were on torturing him with uh, Kim Ki-duk. Yeah. Um, so you know who I want to do? Who's that? But 
like I'm sure that Jim has seen all of these is the thing, but maybe we, you and I should do a profile episode instead someday on Don Bluth. Oh yes. It took me a moment to realize yeah. like, is that from arrested development? No, it is not. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. This stuff is like fascinating. It was very popular stuff, but in some, in so many ways it's so different than the, like, you know, the, yeah. the, the other mainstream, like animated kids. Yeah. Oh, it's Hydrox. There's no question about it. <laughs> um, but no, it's, I mean, it's, but I don't mean that in a negative way. Uh, yeah. I mean that like, it's the one that people are aware of. Right. But it was just seen as the little brother. Like if it wasn't Disney, it's somehow just seen as, or remembered as like this scrappy underdog. Meanwhile, we all watched American tale yeah. when yeah. we were growing up. And so, and he's, and he's done several others that I have seen and at the moment cannot name. Unfortunately, American tale is great. Um, I remember I haven't seen all dogs go to heaven since I was a kid. I mm-hmm. loved it. I watched it all the time as a kid. I loved it. I don't know how it holds up. Um, what got me thinking about this and we'll talk about this whenever we get around to doing a movie journal again is that I, uh, took 70 minutes out of my life and I watched Rockadoodle, which is terrible. <laughs> and also why <laughs> I don't understand why in 1991 they thought it was a good idea to do a half animated, half live action throwback to Elvis Presley movies. I did not know it was Glenn Campbell as the voice of the lead. Like what, what kid? I was a kid. There's a reason I didn't see it until now. It, I, it held no interest for me when I was 10 years old. It probably makes about as Nine much years. sense as uh, Rover Dangerfield. Do you remember that one? <laughs> I never saw it, but I remember yeah. horrible. Uh, I, even as a kid, I thought it was, it was terrible. Anyway, so that's a teaser for whenever we get around to doing another movie journal, which no. will be a few weeks, by the it's way. It's going to be a while. Um, all right, let's get into it. Shall we? You know what? Here's the deal. Okay. I'm calling it. Okay. I'm making a decision. All right. Email me, TylerBattleshipRetention.com, and I will send you the Night of the Living Dead comment, BP commentary for free. Oh, okay. Yes. In, in, uh, in, uh, not, not all of them, but I'll do, I'll the do that. The Night of the Living Dead commentary for free. Um, subject line, RIP George Romero. Indeed. Say. That'll be a way to do it. Okay. That's fantastic. That's a good idea. Um. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> I wonder if we should. Well, we should have talked about this. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we have no idea. I did. Like, I wonder if we should do a thing where if you buy that one with that subject line, if you buy it, then we donate the money to like a uh, uh, Pittsburgh food food bank. Or oh, something? that's right. Get Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh boy, that's good too. What if we do that instead? Okay. Okay. If you use the subject line "R.I.P. George Romero," yeah, and you buy. The Night of the Living Dead commentary, which on its own is how much? Three dollars. Three dollars. Um, we will send all of those proceeds to a Pittsburgh food bank. All which right, I will have to look up. That's a good call on the Pittsburgh thing. I, oh, I never think about that kind of thing. Okay, so yes, that's how it's going to work. You purchase that. Email me. Actually, if you just if you just purchase it, I, I will not take it as an odd coincidence. I will assume you're just doing it uh, for this reason. So purchase the Night of the Living Dead commentary, and there we go. How exciting! Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Um, th- we're, we're we're cramming this episode in um, uh, early because we're about to take off for to to San Diego for um, the better part of a week. I'm so glad. I'm so glad we're not at D23 because I would be so exhausted right. uh, doing them back to back. Even though D23 D23 does seem like a lot of fun, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> based on. I forget, like, you've been so busy lately, you're probably not on Twitter at all. Uh, not really at yeah. all. 
Um, so I've been following along on Twitter. It seems it seems a lot of fun. But we're at we're at Comic Con, so we thought we needed to do a, a profile because uh, oh sorry yeah this is episode five forty. It's no, no, divisible math, by math, math. Uh, yeah yeah yeah. Uh, it's a profile. Um, we decided we need to do a profile. We need to cram it in because we have a lot to 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 do in our lives to get uh, to get ready and then be out of town for five days. So a fun. Pro version of the profile that we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, we're just going to talk about our favorite favorite Stan Lee cameos. Yeah. One it, could say we're looking at the acting career of Stan Lee. That is yeah. our profile. Well, let's start with that though because when you look up <laughs> when I look up this list of Stan Lee cameos, okay. right? This lists the movies the 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 Marvel movies, not generally like not necessarily Marvel Studios as much right. but you know from the you know the fox stuff and the sony stuff and the yeah. disney stuff and the um even paramount stuff if you remember thor was originally a paramount movie sure um i always forget that i don't think i remember yeah um because thor the first thor happened before disney bought marvel and so mm-hmm. paramount released thor and i guess when disney bought it they got thor like they got mm-hmm. all rights I'm, i don't know if paramount still has any rights but i know when i went to my press screening of thor the it was a you know paramount were the ones who sent me the uh huh. uh the invite um that's funny and maybe maybe iron man was too was that iron man paramount? i think so if i remember because i remember at the at the tail end of the uh, film history class that i was teeing for uh he was talking about uh, the studios that had these properties first, yeah, uh, or at least primarily for a while. Um, um, okay. Anyway, so this is the list we're talking about is about those. But when you talk about the acting career of Stan Lee, the first thing I think of is Mallrats because that's probably that's right the first time. Like I'm sure I knew the name Stan Lee because I read comics uh, as a kid. But like my first real association with like this is what he looks like and what he talks like would have been mall rats. Cause I was probably in like eighth grade and watched that even though my parents probably told me I couldn't cause it was rated R. Um, yeah, I might've been in ninth grade. What, what year did mall rats come out? 95, 96 okay, so maybe. I, it was probably ninth grade when yeah. I saw it. Um, so yeah, that was, that was the first one. He uh, also was, did his own voice of course, uh, on the Simpsons. Okay. As, and he just starts hanging out at uh, comic book guy's shop and trying to convince kids to buy Marvel instead of DC. <laughs> and, uh, and so the, you know, the nerdy kid whose name I never remember, but he's like, Oh no. Like that kid who's, okay. uh, I don't know. He's, he's the essence of a, of like this awkward nerd. And so, uh, he comes in and he wants to buy a Batman figure and, and Stanley's like, well, wouldn't you rather have a nice figure of the thing from <laughs> Fantastic Four? And goes, uh, I don't know. Batman is the only one that fits in my Batmobile. And he holds up his, <laughs> his toy and goes, oh, I don't know about that. And he just crams it in and breaks it. Uh, and uh, I remember enjoying that quite a bit. Um, yeah. He also talked about the thing in because what, uh, Jason Lee's character meets Stan Lee and just wants to talk about superhero genitalia, yes. essentially. Yes, that's right. Um, that's a very Kevin Smith uh, moment uh, in every way, including the way in which I found it funny when I was in ninth grade and find it exhausting sure, now. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, that's not really what we're talking about here, but I, I didn't want to get through this without mentioning Mallrats. Sure. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned The Simpsons. And well, and I guess, and it's like an actual scene in Mallrats. That's the yeah. other thing. Like so many of these are, he might not. Sometimes he doesn't even have a line. Uh, other t- it, it, some of them are true cameos. Others are not necessarily a supporting role, but uh, with actual lines. Well, uh, 
The next question, though, is when did it become a thing where he has to? Because he's not an X2. Oh, is he not? Oh, I guess that's true. And I actually, maybe that's a Fox thing, because I don't, like, uh, I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but looking at this list, First Class isn't on there either. Hmm. Nor is Apocalypse. Was he, you saw Apocalypse. Was he in it? Not that I recall. Was he in Days of Future Past? Maybe he's... Yeah, I don't know. But he's in the first X-Men. Yeah, and he's in the third one, according to this list. I've still yeah. never seen the last the last stand. Yeah, who knows? That's um, interesting. Yeah, I hadn't yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Is he in um Yeah, he's in both of the Amazing Spider-Mans. Um he's in Deadpool. Yeah. Um But yeah, let's get let's go back to to X-Men. Okay. Yeah, so it's going to be tough because in many cases we'll be like, yeah, he was in that. Well, moving on. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to necessarily talk about everyone at length because some of these like, okay, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man man who rescues child is how it listed on, on my list. Um, yeah, I don't remember that. Well, and so, you know, so I'll be talking about the ones I remember. Okay. Yeah. And I, I haven't seen the fantastic four movies. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the first one here is, uh, Stanley's first Marvel cameo was as a hot dog venue, uh, vendor in, uh, X-Men. Mm-hmm. So my guess is he probably didn't have any, uh, any real lines in that. Um, but I do, well, let me ask you this first, uh, in true battleship pretension fashion, I want to get deeper into the Stan Lee cameos and actually talk more okay. about yeah. these types of cameos in general. Do you find them distracting? Um, no, actually, uh, it depends. It depends on how it's handled. Um, but it's generally pretty, it's used pretty smartly, I think. Yeah. Um, and especially the the Guardians two one, um, just sticking him all the way at the end is that's you know that's fun. It's, yeah, it's not yeah. going to take you out of the moment. Whereas like the Doctor Strange one, which I love, mm-hmm. but it's like in the middle of a big action sequence. Which was the Doctor Strange one? That's You'll when he's on the bus reading like the uh, that's right the Doors of Perception or whatever. Yes, <laughs> right. Which is a great like I love that it's gone beyond like the joke is. Because the joke used to be, oh, there's Stan Lee, like right. Alfred Hitchcock thing. Right. But now, because we know this is going to be Stan Lee, now it's like, what's he doing? So in like yeah. Doctor Strange, he's reading the Doors of Perception, which is like, you know, tied to the whole Doctor yeah. Strange thing. And in um, in in Guardians Two, uh, I mean, I don't know if we can spoil. <laughs> I think it's fine. He's talking to the Watchers, and he's. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. Our friend Dan was telling me the whole background of who like. Stanley is sort of supposed to be in, oh, in yeah. that I, 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 I don't get it. I, I didn't remember it, but it um, probably doesn't apply. Um, but so now it's like, uh, uh, like it used to be, uh, you know, you're a big enough nerd. You get points for recognizing Stanley. Right. But now it's like, do you also get the joke of what he's doing? Yes. You know, which I, which I, uh, I enjoy, but I do understand your point that it could be a little distracting. Well, you mentioned Hitchcock and I know that one thing that Hitchcock did with psycho is that, He's like, all right, I, I have a cameo in every film. We all know it. Uh-huh. Um, I don't want to distract from this very suspenseful, yeah. twisty type story. I don't want to do that. So he's like, I. So he made the conscious decision to put his cameo at the almost the very beginning, where right. he's a guy walking out of the office with a dog and a cowboy hat, I think. No, 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 that's a different thing. Sorry. He's waiting for a bus and a cowboy hat. Um, oh, that's Psycho? I'm pretty sure that's Psycho. Oh, okay. um, I watched a bunch of Hitchcock movies in a row, and so yeah. I got, might get them mixed up. But either way, he's in it very early, and that was a conscious conscious decision that he made. Right. But, of course, he's also the director. 
when you've got these movies, it's all different directors. Well, and I don't know if you know about like the, the more recent, because his Stanley is his health sort of comes and yeah. goes. And by the way, rest in peace to Stanley's uh, wife Indeed. who died recently. Um, uh, but I don't know if you know, like the, um, like I think the guardians too, uh, or was it the doctor strange? Like uh, there's already been Stanley cameos filmed for some of the upcoming movies. James Gunn directed them all. And they're just going to slot them in because he's not well all the time. Yeah. Uh, he seems That's to be, gonna be sad, doing okay though. right now. He's supposed to be at Comic-Con, uh, supposed to have been at Comic-Con. I forget yeah. where in the past right now. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure how that, how that goes. Um, and I'm not, yeah. And I feel like he might, that, that Dr. Strange one might've been filmed by James Gunn separately, hmm. but I can't, uh, I could see that. I could be wrong about that. Um, yeah. So it's the thing that I think I do find it distracting every once in a while. There's a thing that I, there's one that I do like, um, in Avengers, uh, age of Ultron, for example. And I know we're bouncing around. Sorry about that. That's fine. Um, there's a big party, um, yeah. at, uh, Avengers HQ. And at the party, there's like these older veterans and he's one of them. And, uh, and so he's talking about like, so uh, Thor is everyone's playing a drinking game and uh, and Thor is like proclaiming how amazing he is and stuff. And Stan Lee, like it's an actual character. Admittedly, it's a one or two line character. He's like, goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You think that's amazing. Like, let me tell you about the beaches in Normie. Why don't you just why don't you just pour? <laughs> and, and I moments like and then it, you see him later and he's uh, being dragged off because he's super drunk. Yeah. Um, Moments like that I kind of like because it is in a moment of of humor. Like the it's in a scene that is humorous. Mm-hmm. Um and I think anytime you get a cameo of any kind, um, much less an expected one, I feel like it it is better for the director to kind of take their their cue from Hitchcock and to incorporate it in a in an amusing way yeah I think um, if you can like take a character who already exists and cast sure, Stanley you know sure. what I mean like that 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 moment if it were played by another actor would still like you wouldn't have to change anything yeah do you know what I mean yeah um, and that's well uh, I, I keep wanting to go back to like chronological but oh, um, we can do that that's fine um, but no you're right because I, I do want to jump around because I want to mention um, what might be my favorite, even though I think the movie is just okay, but uh, Mark Webb's The Amazing Spider-Man from sure. 2012, in which um, Stanley is the school librarian. I don't know if you remember. Yes. He's in the library and he's listening to classical music on his headphones in this huge fight between Spider-Man and uh, um, the lizard. The, the lizard. Yeah. Um, is happening behind him. But like when it cuts to the shot of him, all you hear is the classical music and him enjoying yeah. it. And he doesn't really like he almost gets like crushed by a table that yeah. like uh, Peter Parker pulls back with a with a web. It's yeah. a, that's a that's a, a fun moment and would be just as fun with another actor. Yeah. And I will say that, like, I wish that the rest of those Mark Webb Spider-Man movies had had the same delight. There was only one as, more. Well, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I wish that they had had the wit and fun of that scene. Mm-hmm. Um because I think that's, you know, that's when you are tapping into uh, the nature of Spider-Man. Um, you know what? I'll mention this, and I, I'll need to look at uh, Iron Man 3. But um, So looking at the first Iron Man, and then quickly the second Iron Man, um, and I'll look at the third in a moment, uh, Tony Stark keeps mistaking he, uh, 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 
Stanley for other people. So like in the first Iron Man, he thinks it's Hugh Hefner. It turns around it's Stanley. And then there's one where, uh, in, in Iron Man 2, he thinks it's Larry King, but it's Stanley. That I actually like a lot. Uh-huh. The idea that the cameo itself, like, it's like a second layer of reveal. And I feel like that one, 2008 Iron Man, that's where it became like, okay, this is a thing now. Because I think they so. had to, yeah. it wasn't enough. Like, like I was saying before, it wasn't enough just to put him in there as a security guard or whatever, like in Ang Lee's Hulk. Um, it has to be a thing. You know what I mean? Yes. Okay. Now looking at Iron Man three, here it is. Uh, there is a, uh, a beauty contest uh-huh. that is happening, I think on a screen somewhere. And, uh, we see, uh, <laughs> we see Stanley holding up a very, he's one of the judges and uh-huh. he's holding up a very enthusiastic 10. Uh, <laughs> so I enjoy that. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I do like it. I think most when they, uh, are doing something with, with the cameo aside from just, Hey, here's Stan Lee. Even if, even if, I mean, the nature of those Iron Man one is, Oh, it is Stan Lee. Yeah. Uh, which is, it's, which is not that different, but I feel like there's a certain degree of of cleverness to it. Do you think this is almost tongue in cheek, almost clear, but do you think he's become a better actor? Stan Lee after doing these? No, I don't. (laughs) Because in guardians two, he has a lot of lines or compared to his usual cameo. He has a bunch of lines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I mean, he seems, he seems game. And I think, I feel like 50% of acting is willing to, sure to commit. You know what I mean? So he's got that, you know, like the worst acting in the world is not from people who are over eager. The worst acting is from people who are, uh, afraid of looking stupid. Yes, you know absolutely. I mean? And he's not. Yeah, no. He's, <laughs> uh, so as long I feel like he's he's the kind of actor that as long as the director knows what to do, uh, isn't going to fuck up your picture. Yes, uh, as long as the director knows what to do, I think that's a that's a big part of it. Um, now here's the thing. So looking at my looking at my uh, list here, I see that there is a cameo not included which is Ang Lee's Hulk. Oh, that's on my list. Is it on your list? Okay. Yeah, yeah they uh, they did not include it here, I guess because so many people just don't want to think about that movie, which is unfortunate because I think <laughs> there's some good stuff happening in it. But I actually think that's another one that's that's kind of clever, right? Because that's the one with Lou Ferrigno. Is it? Okay, it's been a while. Yeah, well, because it's like, well, why would they have Lou Ferrigno be in there if it weren't a Hulk movie and there's been only one other one and it is not that one? Um, like in The Incredible Hulk okay. from 2008, which I didn't um, saw that one either. He's uh, grabbing a green like sports drink out of a fridge. Okay. Um, and so I think with Ang Lee's Hulk, uh, Lou Ferrigno and Stan Lee play like security guards walking out of a building. Like they are paired together so it's like okay so we've got two cameos but we also have such sparse uh, yeah. such stark contrast between these two people and so so yeah i feel like that's a a, a fairly clever one um, um which oh sorry I, go ahead. i like the uh, against type ones which i guess the age of ultron one kind of is because like what is stanley's type he's kind of like a verbose nerd sure, right? sure. <laughs> you know he says things like excelsior like he's, yes. he's a nerd and so one of my other favorites is the first thor where he's a truck driving shit kicker <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Yes, he, where he hooks is the, yeah. the 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 
the wench or whatever winch. Yeah. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a, a winch, not a yes, winch, not a winch. That's uh, a different thing. Yeah, he hooks the winch up and is trying to pull Mjolnir yeah. out of the out of the dirt, <laughs> and he's just like a. Yeah, good old boy. Well, and I have an image here from that where he just, he actually, <laughs> he's got these sunglasses on, he's looking back shirt. with it. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, oh, that could, uh, they could have Harry Dean Stanton in there. And then I remember that Harry Dean Stanton actually does have a cameo in the Avengers. Yeah. Uh, son, you've got a condition, <laughs> uh, is a thing I think he says. Um, so, uh, so I'm trying to think in winter soldier. I actually, you did not see winter soldier. Correct. No, it's another security guard though. According to my yes, list here, yes. we're looking at different sources and there's a, uh, it's kind of a nice moment and it's, and it's towards the end. Um, uh, it's towards the end where essentially there is a captain America display at a museum, like yeah, okay. an exhibit. And, uh, they have like his old uniform and captain America, breaks in and actually steals his old uniform because he that's how he wants to be seen and when uh when stanley sees that that the uniform is gone he just he says i am so fired and it's like and it's pretty good like it's a nice and he says it and he delivers it pretty well and and so i feel like uh yeah looking at these i think this is uh I think for the most part he's he's used pretty well and not in a super distracting way. I think. Let's talk about a couple more favorites and then we can probably just wrap up. Sure. Um, I uh, I I kind of like the Guardians of the Galaxy one where Rocket Raccoon calls him a Class A creeper. Yeah. Because he's like an old man hitting on a, a younger woman. Yeah. Um, I want to mention the Ant Man one where he's a bartender. Right. Only to mention I don't know if you know, but uh, we're both big fans. I'm probably a bigger fan of uh, the best show, the podcast and sure and, and radio show. Um, I don't know if you know that Tom Sharpling filmed, filmed a cameo on Ant Man that got cut. Ah, oh. but apparently Tom Sharpling and Peyton Reed go way back, hmm. and so I guess there was there was a mini plot line in which uh, I guess before he landed on stealing the suit and becoming a right. whatever he tried to get money by playing the lottery. And so Tom Sheldon played a convenience store worker who sold him a lottery ticket. All right. And that got cut out. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> and I, it, I yeah. feel like Tom Sharpling could be cast in any number of comedies and would be like the highlight of the movie. <laughs> he yeah. has such as such a unique presence. Yeah. I mean, obviously you'd have to ca- cast him as what can only be described as a Tom Sharpling type. Um, well, but did this, you ever see that? Um, I can't remember what the commercial was for the, the, I think it might have been a Nike commercial, but it was the, uh, when Derek Jeter retired, it was like the Yankees and Yankees fans playing tribute to Derek Jeter. I do not recall. Like all it had was just, it was just a series of shots of New Yorkers with Yankee caps on sort of like tipping their caps. Mm. And one of them is Tom Sharpling. <laughs> it's so weird. He doesn't say anything. He's just like a fan in the stands at a baseball game. And he like tips his cap. <laughs> See, and my natural instinct is like, I bet he hated that, but maybe, maybe probably not. I think it was another thing where he knew the director. Yeah. The, Cause he's, he's directed a lot of commercials too. Yeah. I think it was probably, this, maybe, maybe it was the same company who made the commercials. Yeah. Um, cause he did, I think he did that, uh, Neil Patrick Harris Heineken commercial, hmm. which the commercial is about, I don't know if you've seen that one. I have where it's about the fact that you can't drink beer in a beer commercial, that it's yeah. like against the law to drink beer. And I didn't, I didn't know that <laughs> until that commercial. It. Yeah. That's how I learned it. <laughs> so I think he directed that. Anyway, this is, the Tom yeah, yeah. Sharpling uh, uh, profile. Uh, okay, so I mentioned uh, that one, and I want to mention. I think I so my favorite was Amazing Spider-Man Two. 
one of my other favorites because I didn't see it coming because I kind of forgot I was watching a Marvel movie. Yeah. Is big hero six. Yep. Yeah. It's the only animated one. Yeah. Um, and that did, it did feel like a throwback to the earlier ones where it just like, the the only point is like oh hey that's stan lee you know except it's not it's a painting of stan lee or it's a cg drawing of a painting of uh, yeah of a character who looks like stan lee well and i feel like that one i remember taking special note of it at the time because yes i also forgot that i was watching a marvel film um but i also was just like all right they they have a choice to make here, which is they need to make this guy look so specifically like uh-huh. Stanley that it is uh, that it is unmistakable. Yeah, you know, um, because oh, that's right. And he is in he has lines in the in the end credits. Is that right? I haven't seen it in so long that I don't recall. Because the first time, like within the body of the movie itself, I think it, all mm-hmm. that it is is just the painting on the wall. I think so. Yeah, but I think yeah, at the end of the yeah. uh, of the movie, because there's a joke about underwear. Uh, <laughs> I liked Big Hero Six, but I wanted to like it more than I did. I, there are moments that I, I, lo- I love Baymax. I like everything they do with him, um, and I remember thinking the villain, the concept of the villain with like those little uh, with like the nanotechnology or whatever you want to call it. I thought that was like really well conceived. Yeah. Um, but uh, from a character standpoint, I thought they probably could have uh, developed because once I realized, like, oh wait, shit, is this about a team? Really? Yeah. Because I thought these these jackasses here were just like supporting characters over here. I didn't know I was supposed to be invested in them. Oh, um, okay. I got I got into it. You know what else Big Hero Six has? What's that? Is the like it has the like um, I guess minor spoiler, but it has like the soap opera type of reveal. Is like oh, the bad guy is this guy we thought we thought was dead because he was in an explosion. Right. Right. Usually it's like you know. Oh, they, they like, oh, I went out the back door or whatever. Yeah. But this one actually has an explanation of how he survived the explosion right. that is directly tied into the nanotechnology and how yeah. the movie works. It's a really cool moment. It's like Catwoman. Uh, All those cats licked her uh, to, back to life. <laughs> okay. So she it's, became Catwoman. It's not like that because this one makes sense within the... David, you understand Catwoman. <laughs> um, so... Uh, yeah. Now, are there any, I don't mean to be, uh, I, I'm not going to blame Stan Lee for this, obviously, but are there any that, uh, that strike you as kind of a little tone deaf or, I mean, I guess What's you mentioned the, the Avengers one, uh, is a little on the nose, right? It's super on the nose. I actually really don't like that one. Yeah. I think that's the first one that sticks out is like, I almost, because I, because our mission statement here was, let's, let's talk about our favorites. I almost was like, man, I just won't mention the Avengers one cause I don't care about it, but yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's an example of how not to do a cameo mm-hmm. where, um, because it's at the end. Uh, so there's the, the battle for f- the battle of New York, as they have uh, come to call it, uh, is finished and they're interviewing people all over and, and, uh, they're interviewing, you know, this young girl is like, Oh, so-and-so captain America saved me or whatever it was. And then it, uh, interviews Stan Lee, uh, who's like superheroes in New York. Give me a break or whatever. And yeah. I remember just being like, ah, okay, there's a couple reasons why this doesn't work. Yeah. One is, I think it is super on the nose and also no, there are superheroes in New York. <laughs> you just saw them. <laughs> the reason there is New York is yeah. because there are superheroes. Like it's a, it's really clumsily written. Like the idea of, I, again, I think it's on the nose, but the idea of having the creator of this be incredulous about it. All right. 
I'm not thrilled with it, but it's not a bad thing to hang a cameo on. But this particular one just seems so, it seems specifically shoehorned in because it doesn't work well for me. Um, do you have any others that you don't, is that the one you, you that's the one that really jumped out at me. But now that you mentioned the one from Dr. Strange, which, you know, those action sequences, it's not like it's a, it's not like it's a Christopher Nolan dark, uh, film. None of these, none of the Marvel films are that level of dark, but, and I do, I'm a, I'm a firm uh, believer in uh, comic relief uh, mm-hmm. where you can find it, but there, but you do need to time it just right. And I feel like now that you remind me of his Dr. Strange cameo, I feel like it's, it's an amusing, it's a perfectly fine cameo. It's an amusing cameo, but it distracts. You don't want people in the midst of a fight with stakes. You don't want them mm-hmm. to be like, Hey, I feel like it's, it's, it yeah. strikes the wrong tone, but, but the principle of it is actually quite good. Yeah. And very right. James Gunny, if in fact he did direct it. Um, before we wrap up, I want to okay. ask you, because I didn't see Deadpool. I did, yes. Deadpool is the only, uh, outside of Mallrats, the only R-rated movie that Stan Lee has, mm-hmm. has. Now, I understand he plays a strip club MC. Yes. So is his cameo R-rated? What I'm asking you is, does Stan Lee say fuck in Deadpool? Not that I recall. Okay. Uh, but that is a good cameo. I remember thinking, because he, he does have, he has a very specific voice and a very specific accent mm-hmm. um, that is perfect mm-hmm. for like a, a strip club MC. He's like, all right, guys, welcome. And it's like, oh. I think he missed a calling here. Um, so, and I think, yeah, I'm sure he regrets not going into strip club and seeing. Oh, he could be, a, he could be amazing. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a fun thing. And, uh, and it will be sad. It will definitely be sad when he is gone because it is a thing that people come to expect. So let me, knowing now what you have told me, which is, um, that they filmed several mm-hmm. that they're going to just kind of shoehorn in, uh, on a few levels that kind of bothers me. One is that the auteurist in me right. is just like, which is something that we have to increasingly throw out the window when we're talking about Marvel movies I know, anyway. I know. Uh, unfortunately the, there is only one auteur and it's Kevin Feige or however you say yeah. his name. And I'm not thrilled with that, but, but this idea of just like, cause I literally, I, I just use the word shoehorn and that is what it will be. Because if these are shot free of any context at all and they're put in just because they need to be or mm-hmm. someone thinks they need to be, uh, then it's like, yeah, they're absolutely going to be fitting it in where it was never necessarily intended. Although I guess if they tell the writer director, like, this is the cameo we want to use for your film right around it. Right. Um, I still don't like that either. Yeah. But, um, but also it just seems, I don't know, it seems not necessarily disrespectful, but it's just this idea. It's like, when he's gone, just let him be gone. It's a sad thing. Yeah, and it is going to be weird, you know. Yeah. Or if like, you want to, like, yeah. I mean, I don't want to, like, you know, if let's say he's already filmed the one for. I'm trying to think what comes out the furthest away. Like Captain Marvel was that 2018 or 2019 or whatever. Yeah. Um, like if he has, God forbid, like passed away by then, it'll be ghoulish. It, right? it seems ghoulish to me. And whereas, uh, so you saw the the new Ghostbusters, right? Uh huh. Um, a movie I don't particularly care for, but they have a little, uh, Harold Ramis tip of the hat and it's yeah. just a, and it's literally, it's a tribute within the film because there's like a, uh, a bust of him. Maybe, I don't know if it's Egon or if it's just some, it's just whoever it is, but yeah. it is modeled after Harold, Harold Ramis. I feel like that's, 
I don't think that's ghoulish at all. I think that is a nice oh, yeah. uh, salute to to him, and I feel like they could do that with Stanley pretty easily, um, as opposed to that Sopranos thing, um, which well, that's different. Where what's the Sopranos? Do you remember the Nancy? Marchand oh, had right. passed away. It's not that. I know it's not that, but, um, yes. For those who don't know, um, it's in the, at the end of the second season, there's a scene with Nancy Marchand's character. Yeah. That was filmed after she died. Yeah. And they used a body double and then they used shots from other scenes she'd been in over yeah. the previous two seasons and made a conversation. Yeah. But the lines, are ge- just generic enough. Like they're not actually that specific that they incorporate. Right. And it just feels the, the, like the kinds of things that, uh, <laughs> that, 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 what was her name? Um, the character's name. Oh uh, boy. Anyway, uh, the kind of things that she said to her son all the time anyway. Sure. Um, but it also sounds like she's not exact. Like I, it struck me as odd before I knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just felt like, well, the character is older. Maybe she's kind of losing her mind a little bit because it doesn't sound like she's having the same conversation that he is. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that was that was ghoulish, and I didn't care for it at all. Just well, that's you know. a great note to end on. Absolutely. Um, we hope you had a good time listening. You can find us. <laughs> we had a hope. We hope we had a good time at battles at uh, San Diego Comic Con. Indeed. Thanks for coming out to the meet. I don't like this guy <laughs> at all. Um, you can find us at battleshippretension dot um, where there's probably reviews of a lot of the movies that we talked about today. If you yeah. use the the very handy search engine. Um, you can email us at David at Battleship Retention or Tyler at Battleship Retention. You can dot com. Uh, by the way, we're yes. not we're no longer dot edu. Right, that's um, right. We lost our accreditation. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> turns out they realized it was a big scam we had going. Um, so you can do all that. Uh, let's see if you have questions for Ask BP, our video mailbag segment, which is coming back. By the way, it's been on hiatus because um, the place where we shoot it has been. Stripped of anything it would be a weird uh, yeah it's going to be blank a little, room yeah. in here um, I'll put a, I'll put those shelves up as soon as I can uh, or the posters or the posters I'll start the posters I like that um, so yeah once we're once Tyler's moved to the new place we'll get back to doing the video segments um, so email your questions to David at battleshipretention dot com uh, follow me on Twitter at Davy Pretension. Follow Tyler at Tyler Pretension. Uh, what's going on at More Than One Lesson? Well, I have uh, taken a, an extended break, um, and so and so this goes up at a time uh, when I'm not sure what Reed is going to be recording about right. in my stead. But he did record an episode. You'll you'll enjoy this. He recorded an episode about Cheers. Cool. He loves Cheers, and yeah, uh, and is and I listened to it. And son of a bitch, if I didn't immediately go to Netflix and watch a couple of the episodes, because he actually goes, yeah. he goes character by character, and he says, for for every character, he says this is a good episode to watch as like know. a showcase for that character. Um, um, so it's, what's the best coach character? Well, I guess I have to. He, to find uh, out. you know, he coaches the little league team because that's a that's a good one. You know, I don't I don't actually remember, but uh, but I watched the King of Beers, which was his suggestion for Norm um, okay. when he becomes a, a, a professional beer taster. Oh right. Um, and so I watched that, and I forgot, and I think I had forgotten because I haven't seen the show in, in years. I think I had forgotten like. Christy Alley was a really interesting comedic presence and funny, like yeah, genuinely was, funny. Yeah. Um, and it, um, it made me realize that like, as you know, for whatever reason, I just have 
I don't have a great deal of patience for like the traditional three camera sitcom thing with the laugh track and all that. And just the, okay, here's an obvious setup. Here's the punchline. But I forget that like, Oh no, I just haven't seen enough good ones. Right. Like Seinfeld was that, yeah. uh, cheers was that like, yeah. there are great ones out there. And I, I would argue a lot for how I met your mother. I know you're not as much of a fan as I am. I've tried. I really have, but, but yeah. Uh, how I met your mother is, I'm going to say it. It's so much better than friends that I, I don't even understand why people are even still watching friends. How I met your mother came along. In well, the show's off, David. They're not still watching it. I'm they are. Sorry. We're watching reruns like, like that's crazy. true. But how I met your mother just took like the friends formula and did it so much better. Um, friends has always felt so false to me. And so at a distance, it, it there's not, there's, I, I've never really had a way in to those characters lives. They're not like yeah. anyone that I know. Whereas right. how I met your mother is about people that I knew in my late twenties, early thirties and know now, like I, I recognize sort of types in, in those characters. I'd, I'd say it's a situation where you kind of have to like, you have to you have to have a friends to get to a how I met your mother like just okay. the the dynamic right. of these people who are not they're not in a workplace you know right. nor are they a family they're a mix a makeshift family um, which is what all TV is about is something I said they used to say on yeah on uh, going back to the previously on days when I was at, when I had a show uh, yeah. called previously on it was something they used to say that almost all TV shows are about family either real or makeshift. Yeah, it's uh, that's uh, that's interesting, and it's definitely a, a theme in film that I'm a big fan of. But uh, I grew up watching Wings. Oh yeah, I don't. Remember. And I remember liking it a lot. And I feel like if I were to go back, I would not care for it. Yeah, <laughs> just a hunch. Yeah, I think my parents liked it, so I remember seeing yeah. it. But we, we had to go back to Cheers to talk about okay. the Coach, who's my favorite character. Um, and my favorite, my favorite coach line ever is when he meets a, a, a woman he finds attractive and they're sort of flirting and she's like, um, something about him like being called coach. And he's like, my real name is this. He's like, back in my ball playing days, everyone used to call me red. And she said, uh, why did you have red hair? And he said, no, I read a book. Uh, that's, that is, uh, quite funny. Yeah. And, and so in, in listening to Reed's episode, which I do recommend, it's not uh, super churchy, uh, <laughs> anybody that might be worried about that. Yeah. Um, he does, I think I realized this of course, but I think it, I didn't really think about it, which is that a lot of the elements of coach as a character were really just transferred o- over to Woody, like the kind of yeah. charming, but dim witted type. Yeah. But so, but the characters were so different in the, the fact of them uh-huh. that I think I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that, Oh yeah, you just take all these coach lines <laughs> yeah. and don't change them yeah. and then uh, give them to Woody and it still kind of works. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if you remember the introduction of Woody. Um, it, he I came to visit coach. He didn't know that coach had passed away. Mm-hmm. Woody came to visit coach. Cause it turns out they'd been pen pals for years. <laughs> that's, that's how Woody got onto the show. That's, that seems very adorable. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, what, and the other thing that uh, that Reed said, not to spoil the episode, but it actually caused me to like look stuff up on Wikipedia, that a big element of Cheers that never occurred to me is uh, discussion of class. Uh-huh. Like the idea that there's this place that Frasier goes to. Right, yeah. And, uh, but then there's also, but Cliff also goes there. Mm-hmm. And that somebody like, Rebecca, how, uh, uh, 
Kirstie Alley, that she is sort of upwardly mobile and all that, but she just, there's this central location that everybody is, it's not a workplace. Oh, yeah. People are choosing to be there because of the, the, the familial quality of it. And it's just, I don't know. And it's something that did not occur to me at all, but I'm sure if I were an adult in the eighties, it might've occurred to me more. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just, just thought. so great. It really is. I remember, uh, I'm not sure I completely, uh, endorsed this, but I was tweeting about cheers once. And one of our listeners, uh, said that the, um, the, um, uh, not Kirstie Alley, um, Shelley Long, the Shelley Long season is cheers. And the Kirstie Alley seasons are cheers. The animated series, <laughs> because it becomes sort of larger than life. And I sure. find that very funny. I think he meant it in a dismissive way, but, uh, I don't necessarily think that's true, especially once there are a few seats. I think the first couple seasons with Kirstie Alley, the show is trying to figure out what it is right. again, you know? Um, but once they, um, once they realize like, Oh, we're an over the top, uh, farce, like there's, yeah. Um, I mean, there's the, the, I think the season 10 two-parter, uh, a good old fashioned wedding part one and two, which mm-hmm. is like some of the best farce that's ever been done on TV. Let me ask you this. Sorry. It's, we're talking as much about cheers as we did about Stanley. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think it, I'm having a hard time thinking of a TV comedy, like a network TV co- comedy that didn't turn cartoonish after a sir, after say five seasons. Yeah, that's a good. Now some of them started cartoonish like 30 rock, but others like the office was meant to be meant to kind of emulate our reality. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's, uh, that's something that, that happens. That's a good point. Even Seinfeld was meant to be like, Oh, this oh, is the conversation. So weird. Yeah. But it was supposed to be like, Oh yeah, these are just the kind of conversations people have. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, yeah, then you've got George Costanza pushing Frogger across the uh, street. Uh, <laughs> well, with, uh, with Peter, Peter Sar- yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and it's just like, one. where's an outlet? What? The outlet where I plug it in. Oh, the holes. You mean the <laughs> yeah. holes? I also love uh, un- unsung hero in that uh, in that episode is the guy who owns the pizza place because the whole reason they find the frogger machine is it's it's where Jerry and George <laughs> used to hang out. That's right. Uh, and then it's closing, so they they go back to have one last slice of pizza, and they're like, "You don't remember us? We used to come in every day." He's like, "Where you been?" And then he's like, "All right, let us get." Two slices and two Diet Cokes. Yeah, yeah that'll save us. <laughs> or what is it? I think he's like, thank God we're saved or something like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, it's a, and such a great show. That's the same one where they go to the Frogger machine and there's like a kid there. And and like George is, is uh, mm-hmm. pontificating and then the kid says something. I don't remember what, but kind of snotty. And he goes... He's like, beat it, punk. And there's <laughs> something about George embracing his inner uh, Frank Costanza, I guess, at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, speaking of the show getting uh, less respected, I guess, as it goes on, a lot of people generally don't like the series finale of Seinfeld. I have my problems with it, sure. with it too. But uh, my wife, Nat- Natalie, sent me, uh, just in the middle of the day, just texted me a YouTube clip from the finale, mm-hmm. um, which is Jackie Childs telling them all what to wear to court. Yeah. You know, I don't see Perry Como. Nobody, uh, <laughs> nobody hates Perry Como. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, Elaine, like, I'm not sure if this was ever a part of her character before, but she clearly is like smitten with Jackie and she's like, how do I look Jackie? And he's like, and she, and he's like, he's like, you always look fine. You went sexy, fine looking lady. <laughs> uh, oh, good God. I just want to watch everything. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.
This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.